Welcome, everybody, to the Making Awesome Podcast. Epi- what the heck? Are we good? Freaking cat. I think she's jumped off her cat tree. Uh, welcome to the Making Awesome Podcast. Uh, this is episode 160, where I can't figure out how not to drop frames. So I'm sorry if I sound like crap. Uh, there's pretty much nothing I can do about it. This might be another episode where uh, we have to upload the raw. Cat's here, and I hope you guys are hanging out. We got uh, Mad Cat is here, 3D Medic Vince, Thomas, uh, let's see, Justin Miller is here, Yusuf is here, and Sanjay is here as well. Cat, I'm going to need you off that keyboard. Ah. <sighs> Let me just make sure that people know that we are live, because we're live. You guys don't know that. And uh, we are once again dealing with rough internet. And there's pretty much nothing I can do. So yeah, I apologize if anyone does have a uh, a, a tough connection issue. I am dropping over 60% of my packets. Uh, so, fun time. Fun time. Uh, there's I've tried resetting my my modem I've tried resetting the router I've tried everything anyways I am just incredibly frustrated um because I don't like this I'm supposed to be professional this is not the way my business is supposed to be and this is not the way that this is supposed to be and this is something that is once again completely out of my control we have sent about 12,000 frames and we've dropped 8400 of them so uh, here's hoping that it's just 30 of the 60 FPS because I'm looking at my modem and I'm looking at my router and it's not me. So hashtag blame spectrum. Anyways, let's dive into understanding your numbers and why this kind of thing is important. And this came about from a chat in our discord. Uh, we had we have a Patreon Discord, for those that don't know. You can join it via the $10 tier or higher if you would like. Links are in that description down below. And uh, basically, the TLDR was one of our members did a pretty good day. They did about $4,000 uh, of sales. And they said, oh, I did, did $4,000 in sales. I said, yeah, but what did you make for profit? And he said... I don't know, maybe three grand. I'm like, no, not even close. So we have this weird understanding of markup versus margin. And there's an odd problem here where people think that markup equals margin and where margin is also profit. And it's not. Um, so... Let's let's kind of uh let's kind of dive into it. All right. So let's let's get some things understood first, right? Markup is the amount added to the cost price of a product or service that determines its selling price. So it's expressed as a percentage generally. Right? And the best way to figure it out is markup is your sale price minus your cost price. Simple, 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 right? Margin is the percentage of the selling price that represents the profit. 
it shows you how much profit you make as a percentage of the sell price. And its formula is profit divided by sell price times 100%. That gives you a percentage. So your markup is nowhere near the same. You know, we get people that say, oh, I've got a, you know, 20%, 30%, 40% markup, right? They've got some sort of percentage for markup. Great. Um, the thing that we have to deal with, though, is does that actually still maintain relatively normal? And it doesn't because you have a lot of variable costs involved in things. And so we have two different types of costs. We have a fixed cost and a variable cost, right? So a fixed cost is going to be something that doesn't change. Like the price of your filament, it doesn't change. It is the same no matter what, right? But then we also have variable cost, which has to do with things like labor, where labor can vary quite a bit depending on some of your staff. Although it can it can vary, I guess, because there's some labor that is fixed, right? We know that to remove support material based on a, a certain amount of support material, it is this amount of time to get it done. For us, that becomes a fixed cost. For some, that becomes a variable cost. I don't want to get too deep into that one because fixed and variable can be different. Things like your power bill, that's not a fixed cost. That's a variable cost because depending on how much you do, you have fixed versus variable. So variable is generally described as expenses that change in direct proportion to changes in the level of production or sales. So as production or sales increase, the variable cost increases. As they decrease, the variable cost decreases. And yeah, that's pretty standard for a lot of things here. But a fixed cost remains constant, regardless of the change in production. So things like rent, lease, um, that kind of thing, that is the same no matter what, right? The rent on your home or your apartment or wherever is the same. Your car payment is the same. Your uh, insurance cost is the same. All of this is the same. And there's nothing that you can do to change it. It's the same. It is a fixed cost. Whereas a variable cost is going to be something that as it goes up and down and up and down and up and down, you have a variable price. Now, you might look at those a little bit different. And I'm not too worried about it because eventually it deals with like gross and net profit. We're not going to get into that today. We're going to really go into more about profit and margin where profit is actual monetary amount that your business brought in. So if you said you did $4,000 in sales, that is not profit. That's not even close to profit. That is just how much money you did in sales. And margin is more of just that percentage right? So when you look at a business, right? A lot of businesses will be three to five times their earnings. Okay. Three to five times earnings is what they're generally worth. Earnings is not profit. It's revenue. So that's why some companies can have incredibly ridiculous, like insanely high, uh, you know, valuations, yet they don't have a ton of sales or they don't have a ton of this or that. They've got a lot of assets that make their company valuable. 
But for a small business, this isn't something that we have to worry about. Small businesses, we're pretty much just looking at cash in the bank. So the individual that made $4,000 in one day, which don't get me wrong, it is great to have a $4,000 day, but we have to look at what percentage of that $4,000 was take home. They sold hundreds of parts and let's just assume they're flexi dragons because it's the easy one to look at on a fast printer. You're looking at about four to six hours on a slower printer. You're looking at about 18 hours. So let's just make it easy. Let's let's call it 12 hours to make one of them. Actually, screw it. Let's go on the high side. Let's call or on the low side. Let's call it four hours to make one. That means in a single day, you can make six of them on a printer, period. And if you have a sale price of $20 a piece, that means that in one day, your printer can make for you, what, 120 bucks, okay? And that is assuming no downtime, no failures, no nothing, no BS. It is perfect. Perfect. And you have no losses associated with that. Now, we have to assume in the this world we say spherical chicken. And we have to kind of assume some things like let's assume you don't have failures because if you start to have failures that absolutely cuts into how much profit you're going to make. And that's a variable that I don't care to get too far into today. So let's just stick to, you know, the spherical chicken, if you will. So that means each day, each printer is able to make you $120. So if you have a $1,000 printer, your payback period is about nine days. It's a little bit under nine days, uh, and it's a little bit over eight days. And that's how quickly you can pay back that printer, assuming 100% profit. And you've got this problem of it's not 100% profit. You've got filament. You've got maintenance. You've got problems associated with doing this that aren't perfect, right? Even the time to take the pieces off the build plate, wrap them in some bubble wrap or something, and put them in a box is time that you have to factor in. And that time factor is where a lot of people forget to really start including that in their overall cost of goods sold in their net profit, right? They look and say, oh, well, my time's free. I would be giving this away otherwise. No, your time's not free. We're going to talk about that in just a second. So looking at time, it is one of the biggest assets that a maker can have that a maker doesn't do anything about. Makers have a problem of not valuing their time, myself included, and it's really tough. I mean, literally just this past week, I did a house call to fix some MK3S Plus that we found out basically had a dead LCD screen. It was giving us a bunch of square rectangles. I had thought ahead about this and said, I don't know what's going to be wrong with this printer. They're an hour each way from me. So let me go ahead and just bring one of the printers from the farm. Let me just take a printer off a shelf, bring it with me, and we'll cannibalize it for parts should we need it. Talking with Prusa support, maybe 20 minutes there, and doing some troubleshooting on our own, we were done in about an hour and a half. But I ended up being there about five hours and I only charged $180, which is very low, right? So when you look at the hourly rate for that call, and by the way, 
it's a $56 part, so let's call it a $60 part. So I had $120 for five hours of my time, which is not great. That's what, $25 an hour, give or take? Yeah, it's about $25 an hour. We normally bill my time out for house calls, a $50 driving fee, and then $75 an hour. So this did not match up. And I was doing a good deed. I wasn't too concerned about the profit. I was more concerned about getting this printer up and running because they bought it from a recommendation from me and I want to make sure that they could keep it running. Now, it's not my responsibility. I didn't sell them the printer, but I still had a like a personal feeling that I had to make sure this was fine. So, yeah, it was more personal than anything else and uh it wasn't great. But I felt okay. I didn't feel great, but I felt okay. So, like, don't get me wrong. There are times where we as makers will kind of reduce our hourly rate that we are valued at so that we can help somebody else out. And I don't mind doing that. But when you have a volume play, which is a ton of 3D printing for a singular show, that volume play becomes a problem. If your printers can only make you $120 a day in money, period, that means you need about a month to print $4,000 worth of parts, okay? You start to see the problem here. We have an issue on Etsy where people will sell parts for absolutely cheap, way too cheap, way too cheap, and uh, that's a problem. Because it devalues the time of other people in the industry. So, you want to be specific in making sure that you're not the cheapest person on the block. Because if you are, you're not valuing your own time. A part that takes four hours to make on a fast printer selling for $20 means that you are charging $5 an hour for your print time and nothing for your labor. It doesn't make sense. You need a machine to be able to function faster than that, or you need more machines. But more machines have a higher cost, which makes more energy cost, which makes more maintenance cost, which makes more all of these problems. So is $4,000 a good number? Let's dig into it a bit. $4,000, $20 parts, four hours a piece to make them. Because they're flexible dragons, they're going to have no support material. They got the little whiskers if you're using the Bagaibeer ones, but let's assume they don't, right? So it's about a minute apiece to get them off a build plate, hit them with a torch if you need to, get them into a box, okay? Let's pay yourself 60 bucks an hour, so it's a dollar a minute. It makes my math easy. There's a dollar right there. There's a dollar right there off the top. The dragons, last I checked, are like 100 grams to print. So that's $2 right there. So you got $3 in costs already associated here that can be, those are fixed, right? Uh, feel like we need a chart, Sundance math class. Well, I don't have a chart. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about that. And MKH, MKH is right. I was wrong. The variable cost is going to be filament. I look at it as more of a fixed cost, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because net profit is the only thing that I care about. I don't care about gross profit. Uh, so gross profit doesn't include some variable stuff. Anyways, 
moving on. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. All right, we're in like three bucks worth of worth of stuff here. We've got the opportunity cost of that machine. And when you're looking to do a volume play, you're trying to keep as many of your machines running as fast as humanly possible as often as you can. And that volume play means that you're saying no to work that might have a better value. I'll give you guys an idea. I just finished up a print job that took a day and a half. It was $1,250. Okay. That's great money. That's much better than $20 a day. And yeah. Okay. If I want to get a lot of parts sold in one day, I might choose to lower my prices. I won't, but you might. And that means that you have to say, I need a lot of machines. You need a farm. And if you're only running one machine, you can't compete with those that have two machines, three machines, four machines. So you need to look at buying those machines. So let's look at the cost of those machines here as well. Machine cost is a big deal. Maintenance is too. And while a lot of machines don't require a lot of maintenance and machines like the Bamboo Lab, at least the X1 Carbon does, they will tell you when they need to be maintained. From what I can tell, this is just a timer. So you can ignore it if you want, but it is best to just go ahead and take care of it when you can. You don't want too many issues here. So that's a couple of minutes right there. That needs to be done, I think it's every 100 hours of printing. We do major maintenance once a month on most of our machines. And that is going through, re-lubricating everything. Even if the machine hasn't ran, it goes through part of a preventative maintenance schedule. I just go through, I use some oil. Some people choose grease. I use oil because I don't feel like taking the machines apart. And then once a year, we go through and we see, all right, who is actually broken? And if we notice a print degradation in quality, we can go ahead and put that machine off to the side, bring in a new machine into the farm, and keep it moving. Like, you all might not have noticed, uh, this machine here, not the same machine that's been there. Uh, that's a different machine. That's one of the backup machines. Uh, because the machine that was there has a flat on one of the smooth rods. And I don't feel like fixing it right now. Uh, it is easy to fix. You just rotate the rod a little bit and don't worry about it. But this whole idea of keeping the machines up and running revolves around a lot of time. Because if you don't have that time and you're not accounting for it, it starts to matter. Energy cost is high as well. Assume 15 cents a kilowatt hour. It's a little bit under what I pay here. Some places like Liz up in Canada has hydroelectric power and pays next to nothing for it. And then there are some people that live in rougher areas where they're paying while it's running. Cool. We just reconnected and lost how many dropped frames that we had. We were at 16,000 dropped frames. Um, yeah, fun times. Uh, I guess because we reconnected. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Nothing I can do about that. We need to understand, though, that the time that you put into this, it might just seem like, oh, it's basic preventative maintenance. It's no big deal. I can get it done. It's fine. It's easy. It's not an issue. When in reality, it is a big issue. It is something that you need to be concerned about. And it is absolutely something that you have to keep in mind because that time will eat you alive. Let's assume that in that one month production on one machine that 
you had at least one day of downtime, right? That's going to be for maintenance, going to be for cleaning, it's going to be for everything that you need done. One day of time done. A day job, right? This individual has a relatively good day job. They make a fair bit of money. Um, I don't want to give out what they do because it's getting much closer to giving out personal information than I prefer to do. So let's assume they make about $60,000 a year. I don't know how much they make, but I know the industry that they're in. I think 60 is actually on the low side, but we'll say $60,000 a year. That means their time is worth $30 an hour, according to their employer. Give or take, we're going to call it 30 for easy math. So they had an entire 24-hour day, because remember, your machines can run all day. You can't, your machines can. So let's assume you have an entire 24-hour day spent of just time at $30 an hour. Yeah, go ahead and do that math. Uh, I'm going to grab a calculator so that I don't mess it up live. Uh, you know, because, uh, yeah, that's $720. Is that right? Yeah. $720. That is almost a quarter of your money that you made evaporated in time. And in a one month print job, you are likely going to spend a day of your time fixing parts, cleaning parts, putting parts in boxes. Let's not talk about the amount of time that it takes to pack everything into your car, pack all the stuff you need to make, to make a booth, go to an event, set up a table, be there all day interacting with people, which is the worst part. Sometimes people just really suck. You absolutely end up spending at least 24 hours at least 24 hours for a job that involves going to a place and selling parts. And that means right there, we're cutting a thousand dollars, cut a, cut a, cut a clean thousand dollars off of that. All of a sudden your profit is evaporating fast, really fast. And nobody likes that because what do we like? We like money. We, 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 we like money a lot. Just like, I like the fact that Ostrike just shot 10 bucks for a super chat. Thank you, sir. It says printer cost is $10,000 or 10,000 hours, a reasonable life expectancy. Does input shaping increase printer life or decrease it? You know, that's a great question. I don't actually know if input shaping helps or doesn't help. I would guess that if you're running a bushing system like a bamboo, it is going to hurt it. For a bearing system, I don't think it's going to have any effect. Although I guess over time that extra wiggling that it's doing and it's very small movements might wear out the balls and rods in a ball bearing system than a standard, I guess, ball and race if we want to be specific, uh, faster than just normal movement. That's something that I haven't really considered. 10,000 hours, I think is reasonable life expectancy. In the accounting world, we like to say that it has a five-year lifespan because I'm going to amortize out its cost over five years and write it off over the course of five years. I know earlier someone had said, could you consider, I think it was Ajax that said, uh, could those failures be considered a loss and therefore a write-off? The answer is yes, they could be, but you would have to really hardcore track them. And in a lot of times, the effort that you need to track all of your failures and what it actually results in 
is something that doesn't work. It, it just straight up doesn't work. And it's just like the amount of time you're going to spend trying to track everything becomes the problem that we have here, right? You, you, that is the problem. You have to take all the time to write it down, to put it into your accounting software. The amount of cost that that part has to you is more money than it takes for you to take it from the printer to the trash can, okay? You need to think about your time as the most valuable asset that you have in your company. Thank you to Thomas for gifting five memberships here to the channel. We see John Olson, Justin Miller, Ajax, TJL, and Joseph Greiner. Thank you, guys. You all now have a uh, an awesome membership here. Thank you for gifting those memberships. And yes, we are still dealing with packet loss. Um, the stream had to reconnect, and we are at a 32.7% frame drop. So uh, I'm sorry if... We will see at the end what my recording is versus what the recording time of the episode was. Just like what YouTube thinks it was versus what I have. And if it's off by more than a minute or two, we will go ahead and upload the raw recording that I have here. Uh, I did want to point out Beatles Cuber says, I just want to say, I, I'm just saying thank you for engaging with me at Earth 2023, 3D Printopia. I stopped you on the bleachers day one, dude with long hair and Earth hat. Well, hey. I'm I'm glad that that you had a good experience, right? I want people to come up and say hi. It's a lot of fun to meet fans. Just remember, I don't know you. So if I give you a weird face as you're talking to me about things, it's because I have no idea who you are. It is great to say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I go by so-and-so. I'm in your chat hanging out. Uh, and that's when I can try, hopefully, uh, to make a connection. FJ, we've been over this. I have bad internet. Blame Spectrum. <laughs> Don't worry. As soon as we're done, we're going to call them. And we're going to show them how I have dropped over 10,000 frames with 25,000 frames sent. It's a great day. It's a great day to have Spectrum. But yeah, if you guys are having issues with the audio, I'm sorry. There is nothing that I can do about it at this time. I have tried everything on my side to fix it, and it just doesn't work. So it's Spectrum. I'm sorry. Uh, it is on the node side. There's not much I can do about it. So I apologize. Anyways, I don't want to keep bitching about my bad internet. That has always been a constant problem here. What I would prefer to do is, you know, actually get into this. Oh, Ben's here. Hi, Ben. Good morning. Ben, it's 3.30 in the morning for you. Ben, go back to sleep. Uh, anyways. Yeah. So... They looked at markup saying that my cost to produce this is only a couple of bucks, four or five bucks to produce it. And I'm selling it for 20. So my markup is 75%. Okay. It's, oh man, we're really dropping packets. Um, let me let me see if I can get this to stabilize because, wow, it's really bad. I'm going to check my router. Nope. My router's totally fine. Uh, Yeah. Nope. Everything is fine on my side. So we, we installed a new router that lets me check all this stuff. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not me. It is absolutely Spectrum. It's awesome. 
I love everything about it. Uh, audio is good. Frame rate's high enough. I'm sorry, guys. This kind of thing is going to distract me. We might end up having to cancel this stream and redoing it uh, because I I don't really know what else to do. It is very distracting for me to uh, to have this problem. So I'm sorry if you all are having a bad viewing experience. Uh, there's not much that I can do about it at this time. I'm sorry. Uh, but this new router does allow a failover, so I think we might just get, like, T-Mobile's 5G home internet and uh, use it as a failover, because we could we could probably use that right around now. <laughs> Anyways, the mar so they were selling a product for 20 bucks, looking at it saying that, oh, my cost was only 5 bucks, so my markup of 75% to get to that $20 uh, range is awesome. I'm making great money on that. And so on a $4,000 day, I'm bringing home $3,000 of net profit. And it's not true, right? There's so much involved, including their inability to go to a show a couple of weeks later. They did go out to the show, but they didn't have a very strong table because they sold so much at the first show that we had a massive problem with not having enough inventory. See, if you're going to be someone that goes to shows, you can't just run out of parts. You have to make sure that you have a constant inventory of product so that from show to show to show, people are able to get that same experience. If they don't have that same experience, then yeah, it's rough. People expect a certain level of service these days, especially with Amazon and you know, other places being able to give you instant gratification. So if you have a booth that is sold out of everything and you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, you might as well pack up and go home because you didn't plan accordingly. And why waste your time if you don't have to? Hold on, I need to get another screen grab because some of these numbers are just ridiculous. 44.8% frame drop. That is absolutely insane. All due to network. That's just, that's nuts. That's freaking nuts to me. Anyways, if you're a part of our Patreon Discord, uh, at the $10 tier higher per month, you'll get to enjoy, as soon as we're done with this, me get to call Spectrum one more time and complain about my internet. Again, it's like the third call in three days. I love it. Um, yeah, Grant's, Grant's getting pissed off again. I'm sorry. This is ADHD at its finest because I'm really upset about this and I'm trying to work through it. So again, sorry if you guys have a bad experience. Um, so, all right. We have your net profit, right? Not, and net profit has to include everything. Cost of goods sold, your time, your effort, your energy, machine failures, and even machine problems right? Let's say you had a farm of bamboo printers, 10 of them, just to make math easy, right? $15,000 in printers from bamboo. And one of them had the problem that mine have had, where they just don't work reliably. And that machine ends up becoming a brick because there's no point 
There's no point in keeping it online and trying and trying and trying because that frustration takes you away from doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is making money. So that machine goes dark. Once that machine goes dark, you then have to look at what the next move is. Do you replace it? Do you deal with consumers? Do you deal with support, right? Because all of that time has to be factored in. If you don't factor in that time, you're not really looking at your net profit. You're looking at more of gross profit, maybe revenue, but you're not looking at net. Net involves every aspect in this situation and equation. Nose is itchy. Beatles Cuber with the $7.34 for your input on Bamboo not being transparent, only reactive to the community. Well, thank you. Oh, I can heart these now? I didn't know that I, I can I can heart the, uh, when people donate, I can put a heart on it now. That's cool. Thank you. I didn't know you could do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you guys want to join the Patreon for 10 or higher, uh, or PayPal or YouTube channel members, it's all pretty much the same. Uh, that will get you access to our Discord where you get to see things early as long as they're not back behind a, uh, uh, like a embargo or something like that. But yeah, get to come hang out with us and, uh, help me fix my mower because it's still broken. Week 11. <laughs> um, all right. So you've got a dead printer, right? Just like this family had this dead Prusa that... It didn't work. So I went through and I said, all right, let's try to reflash it. Maybe they tried to reflash it. They had a bad flash. I reflashed it. It took the flash just fine. I could navigate on the screen and click buttons, but I couldn't see anything on the screen. So I said, okay, the screen is taking commands. The restart button worked. I flipped the cables. That didn't work either. So what do we do? I said, all right, I know Prusa's got great support. Let me talk to him. 20 minutes, uh, I was a 11 minute wait, about nine minutes back and forth with a person. We all came to the same conclusion that the screen is probably bad. And uh, we said, all right, I got a spare screen. I can, I can exchange it, no problem. And uh, yeah, it worked perfectly after that. And that's the value of having good customer service is that I didn't have to wait. If you have a printer that's down, that downtime costs you money. And sure, even that 20 minutes, call it two hours total by the time I was done. Although it was more like an hour and a half, but call it two hours. That time has money associated with it. That means that machine is not, it's not only a loss of use. You have a value loss of the machine because it now is known for having problems, but you also have your time that you spent to fix it. There are three problems associated with it here. Thomas says that he demands I give him heart. I can't. It doesn't let me heart the gifted memberships. I'm sorry. I wish I could, but I can't heart the gifted memberships. I can only heart the super chats. That's stupid, YouTube. Don't do that to me. Now, now the guy that gave five memberships doesn't feel like he's loved. Well, Thomas, you're loved. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Um, wait, I could click the button here. I, 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 I can give a heart that way. That's the only thing that I can do. Uh, but we, 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 we love you, Thomas. Thank you. And yes, if you have to wait three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours a day, that is loss of use. And sure, 
if that machine can only make you $120 a day, that's $120 of loss on top of the time that you've had to spend dealing with uh, customer service, on top of the time that it takes to get you parts if you don't already have the inventory, and this becomes a loss of use problem. It's actually why the car rental business is such a complicated scenario where if you do have a problem with a rental car and it gets into a wreck for some reason and you don't have the insurance and your insurance doesn't cover it for some reason, you get bent over the table and taken to pound town because they have this fun problem called loss of use where they're able to charge a considerable rate for the opportunity cost of not being able to rent that vehicle out on top of the fact that there is now a diminished value associated with it. Your printers are like used cars. Your printers are like a rental service. Treat it that way. You have a loss of use associated. You have a diminished value associated and you have a frustration or otherwise known as um, punitive damages problem. I know this because we're working at building out a platform where you guys can rent out cool scanners like this Artec Eva. This is a $20,000 3D scanner with a multi-thousand dollar laptop and $1,200 software per year. But you might only need to use this for a day or two. So we're trying to find a way that we can send this to you guys with a computer with a real rental agreement that says, hey, we're going to charge you from the moment it arrives to the moment that it goes back into the mail. We can see exactly when those times were. And if there is a problem, you know, hey, that's not on us. That's what the contract is for. But we have to rent this at a rate that at a certain period of time, we have to be able to pay this thing back and make a profit on it. Because if we can't, then what's the purpose of having it? I might as well just resell it. Speaking of... I am selling an Artec Ray Gen 1. If someone is looking for a really high-end 3D scanner, let me know. I would love to be able to uh, help out there and get you guys an awesome scanner. We are trying to get... Oh, wait. Did the stream, did the stream go down? What the hell happened? Hold on. Uh, What's going on? Are we not streaming? No, we're definitely streaming. Yeah, okay. I'm like, wait a minute. We were... We were there. We're good. All right. Yeah, it's my internet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Man, I, I was... I was on a freaking roll, too. Damn it. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry if, if you guys got kicked off. Yeah, I can see that uh, half of you got kicked off. Cool. I'm sorry. I wish there was something I could do to fix it. Oh, wow. It, it kicked you off that early. Okay. Well, sorry. All right. I got to, like... I, I, I need to, like, recompose myself because... I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, I've, I have a lot of anxiety right now, so I'm sorry, uh, give me, give me just, give me just a second or two to kind of get back into the, the vibe, um, yeah, I, I know, the evil, the Eva rental business, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same for a car, right, it is, it, it, it it's all about, if it doesn't come back, 
um, you know, we have to charge for it, right? If it gets lost in shipping, that's not your fault. That's not my fault. It's insured for that reason. Insurance exists for a reason. Um, and that insurance is what enables us to say, all right, it didn't get to you in time. Let's put somebody on a plane. Let's get them to you. And, you know, let's ship out the other Eva that we have. And the goal there is that we can start to make a profit on it when we're not using it. But at the same time, we do have a scanner for sale. We have an Artec Ray Gen 1. If somebody knows someone that is looking for a metrology grade high-end LiDAR scanner, please let me know. I am trying to get $40,000 for it. And uh, whoever sells it, like whoever brokers that deal, I will pay a $5,000 commission to. So if you want to make five grand, help me sell my my, my $40,000 scanner. And you know what? Every penny above 40 grand that we make from it, I'll give to you. So if we make, if you can sell it for 45,000, you get 10 grand, just so you're aware. Um, so anyone that can sell it and help me sell it, I would, uh, I would greatly appreciate it because I would like that thing to go to a new home. It sits here a lot and, uh, that has an expense to it that I am done spending. So I'd much rather, uh, see that go to the hands of somebody else that can use it. So yeah, five grand to the first person that can help me sell this stupid thing. Uh, it's a great scanner. I love it, but it has a, it is limited for the use cases that we have it for. But if you need to scan buildings, terrain, accident scenes, that kind of stuff, it's perfect for that. Uh, it's also, you can use it for, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where, where they track land and crap. I don't, it's metrology grade. It can scan anything that you want within 110 meter radius. It's a nice scanner. All right. Anyways, so your margin is similar to, yeah, GIS scanning. Thank you. Jeez. Gosh, thank you. So margin is your profit margin. It's just your profit expressed in a percentage, right? Profit divided by total revenue times 100% gets it to you in that percentage range. Um, this is valuable because it helps you understand where your dollar figures are. Because this person that had a $4,000 day, we looked at it and said they probably actually had closer to a $1,500 to a $1,000 day. We know they've had some issues with their machines. We know that they were previously running a bunch of different brands. Now they have kind of reined it in and are running just one brand, which is good because it means you only got to carry one, one type of spare parts. But if that brand is not reliable, then it really doesn't matter. It's why we still run Prusas. They're not fast. We know they're not fast. We don't care. We don't care that the Mark 3S is not fast because you know what it is? It's reliable. And that reliability matters to me so much more because of all the freaking downtime that I've had with my now gone Bamboo X1 Carbon, I could have paid for all of my Prusas for the amount of downtime that that Bamboo made for me. Now, with that being said, that Bamboo paid for itself in its first week of ownership. It should have paid for itself in its first 48 hours. We prefer to have a printer be able to pay for itself within 48 hours of ownership. And that has to deal with what we make with them, right? We make expensive parts. But at the same time, if I have to spend all this time fixing it, repairing it, diagnosing it, dealing with support, 
that starts to really tick into my net profit. And net profit is really the thing that I care about at the end of the day because that equates to money in the bank. Great example. I just ordered my Prusa XL. My, uh, my reservation came up and I put the money down for the XL, $3,600, $3,617 and change, I think is what it ended up coming out to. Um, we have one client that will pay for that printer as soon as it arrives because of the work that it can do. Now, yeah, it's not a cheap printer. It's very expensive. $3,500 is a very expensive printer. But when you realize it can do 360 millimeters XYZ with five different colors, five different materials, or multiple nozzle sizes, there becomes a huge value for me as a business owner where I can utilize the machine not only for its build volume, but I can use it to print exotic materials that require soluble support material and not have to deal with a mixing system. That matters to me. That would be really cool if you could put an MMU on each of the five tool heads for the XL, but I don't want to go down that route because that is complication that I don't necessarily need. Neither do you, for that matter. You want to streamline things as much as humanly possible, and something that worries me about the XL is that I have no spare parts for it. I'm going to be bringing in... PCBs for the bed. We're going to be bringing in parts for hot ends. So we're going to be bringing in uh, full hot end assemblies, nozzles, heaters, thermistors. We're going to bring in a spare neck extruder. We're going to be bringing in spare build plates because those are cheap. We're going to be bringing in spare parts that we don't have. So my actual expense of buying an XL is closer to five grand because of all the spare parts that we need. Now, if it ran V6, which it can with adapters, we're not going to go down that route right now because I'm kind of hoping the Diamondback does a Prusa nozzle. We'll see if they do. But if they do, then I'm just going to put 0 0.4, 0 0.6, 0 0.8, and you know, a few more 0.4 diamonds on everything and never worry about my freaking nozzles again. Uh, they didn't pay me for that. I Neither did thanks. I should really get paid to wear other people's clothing. Uh... I just, I, I found it. I was, uh, I was folding laundry. And I'm like, oh, the Thang shirt. I should wear the Thang shirt. So I'm wearing the Thang shirt. There you go. That was my entire thought process for that. But yes, um, something that you want to be very certain of and very purposeful is understanding the value that your machines bring to you. Because if you see them as just the initial cost plus the cost of filament, you're missing on all the real cost of ownership for your machine. It's like a car, right? You got to go get the oil changed. You should go get your oil changed. You need to change your spark plugs, your oil filters. You got to do transmission fluid every now and then. There is a lot of things that need to occur that is beyond just the cost of initial buying. And it's how they explain this idea of cost of ownership. And well, unfortunately, 3D printers are not as clean and easy and expected as a car, right? Cars have been around for over a hundred years. A lot of cars, you get in, you turn the key, you drive, or you push the button, I guess, because now cars are push button to start. I don't like that. But you just do it and you drive away. You're done. 
but 3D printers aren't there yet. And bamboo is probably one of the closer ones to it because it does all of these calibrations. But I'll say, my Mark 3s, I just wipe the bed down in between prints and we're done. But there is time associated with that that you have to account for. I account for one minute per part on the build plate of time to get it on the plate and get it off the plate. That is really what you need to be worried about is your time. How about time and slicing, right? How about the time that it takes you to adjust the settings, add support material, make sure the slices look okay, make sure the part is oriented correctly, fix the part if it's broken, communicating with the client, making sure the file is sized correctly, and all of these problems. All of those equate to time that you don't really have to give and again if you're doing a volume play where it's the same model over and over and over and over and over again you don't have all of that every single time but it is good to account for it because if you don't have it every single time you make more net profit enjoy the extra money you're welcome it is about making sure that you have enough money to survive and if you go from saying that you had a four thousand dollar day to really having about a thousand or a fifteen hundred dollar day you kind of feel like crap about that because oh wow yeah i mean it's not it's not bad don't get me wrong making a thousand dollars in a day that's awesome if you can make a thousand dollars a day every single day that is three hundred and sixty five thousand right yeah three hundred sixty five thousand dollars i was gonna get specific and use the quarter because it's 365.25 but i decided uh not to do that but yeah if you can bring in a thousand dollars a day great but remember what a thousand dollars a day looks like how much printing that actually is and the fact that you would need one printer running for 40 days or 40 printers running for one day to do that but see those 40 printers at a thousand dollars a piece is a huge upfront cost that's a nice car for 40 grand right that could be a down payment on a house but you're going to spend it on a business and it's why this idea of you have to spend money to make money exists because if you don't spend that money up front you're going to spend it on the back end i guarantee it i guarantee it Joseph Griner says, be aware there are issues running multiple sized nozzles and current slicers. There are tricks needed with the model settings. Okay. Yeah, that that's for the uh that's for the XL. Uh Ajax is saying that that he has uh 3x1 carbons now and he has a spare of just about every part that bamboo sells. Minus some of the boards they sell now. Well, I'm about to buy new boards. Uh, and I am told that replacing the boards might brick the bamboo. So we're we're gonna see how that goes. Uh we're gonna do the boards hopefully next week. I got to get, I got to figure out which boards I need and then I got to get them ordered in. But as Ben says, there are a lot of one to five minute tasks that add up very quickly that people don't account for. We deal a lot with shipping and you might charge whatever you get charged from the postal office or whatever it might be to fix or not to fix, to ship the product, right? So it's, you know, $5 to get this product shipped across the state. Great. You pay the five bucks. You charge the client the five bucks. Who's going to pay for the gas 
the time, the box, the label, because there's a cost associated with printing a label, unless you get it printed at the post office, but then there's time associated with that, as well as the tape, the labor to make the box, the labor to pack the part, the labor to take it from your house to your car, the labor to then drive. There is so much labor involved. And if people charge the real rates for shipping that they actually should charge, shipping would be like 50 bucks for a small item. So what we do instead is we do shipping twice a week. And if I only have one piece that needs to go out, it waits till the second shipment. And if it is still only one piece that needs to go out by day two, I eat the cost and it is what it is. But otherwise, we try to bulk ship because then I can amortize out that cost across a few clients. This has a real problem when you have print failures. We had one recently that cost me a fair bit of money. Let's talk about it. We shipped out some pieces to a client. It was a, it was that $1,250 order that I got done in a day and a half. Um, shipped that out. And I get a photo. One of the parts had gotten damaged. The box was damaged. The part was clearly damaged in shipping. The box was fully, it, it was fully insured. But the client's not going to wait for that. And quite frankly, neither am I. It's not a lot of money in plastic. So I shut the hell up. I ran the part again. I made sure to pack it nicely. I double boxed it. And I took it to the post office. All for no cost to the client. As I am currently working with the insurance carrier to try to get the insurance back on the package. Is it going to work? I don't know. But that is where my margin comes in. And I say, well... I've got enough profit margin in this piece that if I needed to do this, we can survive. It's not my preference, but we can survive. So we make sure that we have enough margin so that should things go wrong and insurance doesn't pay out, we're not going to lose our ass on it. And don't get me wrong, I've made jobs where we've accidentally quoted way too low and only found out later on. And at that point, you have to do it because you've already committed. Uh, cool whip says, where have you found cheapest possible packing materials or does it vary? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> use what you got, man. Like we don't do branded boxes or branded tape. Quite frankly, a lot of times I'm just reusing Amazon boxes that I have here at the house. I keep almost every box that comes in because I could put something else in it and ship it out. Amazon sends you packing paper, the bubbles. They send you a lot of stuff that a lot of you guys just throw away. Reuse it. Yes, it's got Amazon's branding on it. Who cares? You're a small business. If you want to spend the money on custom branding and custom boxes, by all means do it. But that is a cost that you have to make sure that you account for. I don't want to do that. So I don't. We have custom tape and we have some custom boxes that we use on really high-end orders. But like, if you're ordering a $30 part, I'm not using a $6 box to do that. I'm sorry. It's not worth my money, nor is it worth yours. <laughs> but I also keep a lot of the weirdly shaped boxes because we often have to print parts that are really weirdly shaped. We did a part for a client that was 1,300 millimeters long. 
I actually had a box that it fitted, but the box was really wide. It was the right length, but it was really wide. So we cut it down. We just cut the boxes down and we retape them up and it works awesome. So yeah, make sure you cut your boxes down because otherwise uh, you, you end up using a lot of space in your house, but it's good to have it because again, makes life easier to know that you have the packing material. I did recently find some bubble wrap on Amazon that was very, very cheap. I haven't bought it yet because it's 700 feet and I don't know where I'm going to put 700 feet of bubble wrap other than wrap myself up in it as a joke, but it was only like 30 bucks and that's a great deal for bubble wrap. Bubble wrap, packing paper, that kind of stuff is great to use. If you are out of packing paper for some reason, go buy a newspaper if you still have them. If not, go find the cheapest form of paper that you can. Butcher paper is normally a great thing to use, and you can just crumple it up. And uh, that seems to work pretty well, especially when your box is a lot larger than your part is. It takes up space without being too heavy. Um yeah dude reuse packaging there's no reason not to and in today's day and age people just want their stuff they don't care too much about the packaging now don't get me wrong apple and some other large tier one companies do amazing packaging and good on them they have the money to do it they have the margin to say yeah we're gonna spend two hundred thousand dollars on getting custom packaging made we're gonna inventory it and that gets us you know a million packages so it's you know 20 cents or whatever it is cost per package they're okay with that you aren't you can't afford that so don't afford it <laughs> you have to make sure that uh you know it's all done right and if it's Amazon packaging, I've never cared, right? I buy stuff all the time online from secondhand sellers, and it always comes in Amazon boxes because I don't care. And a lot of your clients probably won't either. And if someone does come and pick something up from you, you can have a stack of boxes and a tape gun. Let them go ahead and do it if they want. But a lot of people are cool just grabbing it. But it shows it is good to have boxes should people need them. But if you have to pay for those boxes... Yeah, you have to, uh, you have a, you have a cost there that you either have to eat or account for in your price. I <laughs> hope that explains it. I'm in the custom packaging game. We do a lot of custom packaging, uh, for, we have a few clients in the custom packaging industry, so we make a lot of their samples and prototypes. And so, uh, I'm used to this. I'm a packaging geek and I would love to do custom boxes, but because I'm such a freaky packaging geek. I won't ever get to a point where I'm happy. So, uh, I don't try. I just don't try. Uh, if we did start to do more concierge work where it's, you know, very, very high-end stuff, yeah, I'll get custom boxes. But then your little dragon that you're selling for 20 bucks, I'm going to sell it for like 300 and I'm going to put it in a custom box. It's going to be beautiful. The box will be custom formed to fit the part. It's going to be a beautiful unboxing experience. I'm going to make it out of custom filament that nobody else in the world has so that I corner the market on this type of, you know, part, color, and everything. But that's a lot of more work than most people want to put in. So just be careful because you could feature creep the hell out of that very quickly and find yourself with a lot of custom packaging and no real way to use it. Do I have any handy? I do. I do have some handy. Aha. 
I have. I have had custom tape made. So we have, uh, we've, we've had, I'll take it out of the bag. We've had custom tape made. So this is, this is the 3D Musketeers tape. Um, I hate this tape. I didn't realize when I bought it, but it has to get wet. Uh, this tape from the factory, it's not sticky. It's a water-based glue and you have to get it wet. So there are machines that can utilize this tape, uh, but I don't have one of them. So I've got like 15 rolls of that tape and I have no way to use it. Cause I said, well, I'll get tape that's wider than Amazon's tape and I'll just tape over the Amazon tape. And now it's my box, damn it. Uh, which does technically work, but, uh, yeah, no bueno, no bueno. <laughs> you know, the company's like, oh, well, you could use a sponge. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, there are machines to do this. I would rather use the machines myself. That's my personal feeling. <laughs> but, you know, hey, crayon assault on your own. <sighs> So Ajax says, I was hoping to get some cool custom ABS for TD-1, but custom filament is not cheap. I know how much custom filament is because I am going to do it. It is from printed solid $1,000, or at least it was last I checked. And $1,000 includes the color fee and it includes a measured amount of filament. Now that might change. So it is a fair bit of filament. It's at least 20 kilos and, uh, that 20 kilos now is actually 50 bucks a kilo. Okay, because it's 20 kilos, $1,000, 50 bucks a kilo. But now that material has a master batch color. So when you get more of it made, you just pay for the entire print run. You don't pay for another color fee. And you can choose with manufacturers for them to stock it where they sell it on their website as well, or you choose to buy the entire manufacturing run. There are two different ways to handle that. In some cases, you might choose to have the manufacturer stock it. That way, you don't have to have a minimum order that you make. They stock it. You guarantee a certain amount of sales. That way, they don't have just colors that sit on their shelves forever. and Or you do some sort of consignment uh, deal. Or you buy the whole run and you put it in your house somewhere. It's not that bad. Um, now, Ajax said he asked Polymaker and it sounded way worse. I don't know how Polymaker does it. We work with Printed Solid and there will be an upcoming video where, because I have it handy, we make a color of Elixir. So this is actually Polyalchemy Elixir, but we had to make it so that we could get a master batch from it so that Dave can turn this into one of Jesse's elixirs. Now, this is a failure spool. Um, I don't know if we have good footage of this, uh, but you, you see the gap in it? It's really good up until there was a bubble and then the filament broke. And so everything beyond those nice tight coils is potentially bad filament. Uh, we'll see. They were going to throw this away. I said I will use it in my videos as a, as a way to show things off because, yeah, I can do that. But yes, it's not as it's not as expensive as you think. And like we're going to be doing a custom color for the politician. We were supposed to be doing that when we went to printed solid a couple of weeks back. But 
we didn't. Because Dave said, we could either make your custom color or we can make elixir. What do you want to do? I'm like, Dave, I am making elixir. I will fly back up another time to make a custom color. Right? Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, do, do, do. Ajax says, is it not worth pelletizing? Uh, is it not worth pelletizing or reusing it? Uh, I don't really know exactly what you're saying, but you can't do that with this type of material because it is a blend of PLA and TPU. And, uh, wait for the video. You'll see how it works. It's really cool. We filmed a lot of footage. We were there for two days and we took over a quarter gigab uh, a quarter terabyte worth of footage in two days. We filmed a lot of content. Trust me. It's awesome. You're going to like it. Just subscribe or something. Like the video if you haven't. 47 watching, 26 likes. Figure that out. Donate financially if you do want to do that kind of thing. I'm going to get back to talking. <laughs> As I'm, I'm spoiling a lot of this video, and I, I, I need to stop doing that. I need to stop spoiling the videos. Um, but yeah, as Ostrak says, for the color mixing fee example, the industry term for one-time fee is NRE, non-recurring engineering. That is correct. It is a non-recurring fee. We call it an art charge because uh, if we say an NRE, people are going to, like, you mean like the podcast? Nope, that's JRE. Uh, so we just say art charge. It's a one-time art charge, right? It's a one-time master batch mixing fee, which I'm okay with. Right. It's not that bad of a it's not that bad of a price because, yeah, it's expensive once, but then it becomes much more affordable uh, when things come out. And you might even be able to negotiate a way to buy that entire run at a reduced price. Remember, you can work volume deals. If you're going to order a lot of material, you should be paying less than retail every time. Pay less than retail. Don't pay retail. Don't be the person that pays retail. Make mistakes there. Always, if you are buying a lot, if you're buying over $1,000 with any company that has multiple products, like if you're buying $20 rolls of filament and you're buying 50 of them, you should be getting them for less than $20 a piece. I'm sorry. You should be. And most companies understand that and will give you a volume discount because that is a huge run for them and something that they can easily know that they're going to make good profit on. So they're willing to accept a slightly lower rate because they're getting all of this volume. Instead of you ordering five spools, you're ordering 50. That's a much, much different game. John Olson asks, has Dave ever talked about recycling filament? I'd love to have someone in the U.S. to send my failures. Uh, not even to get anything in return as long as shipping was covered. There's your problem. Your problem is the covering of the shipping. So, And the other problem is you would also have to make sure that all of your material is the same type of material. Because like PLA and PETG don't mix. Um, I can tell you from a business standpoint, there is no business model around this. There isn't. Um, now, you might want to try working with your local recycling center to see if they can take the parts. You would likely have to certify that they are a certain material. But yeah, there's not going to be a business around an $8 package that is mostly full of air going out to somebody who's then going to shred it, heat it, add virgin material to it, re-extrude it, re-spool it, those spools have a cost associated with it, and then attempt to sell it and be market competitive. It just doesn't exist. Now, 
there is a company that sells recycled filament. It's Greengate 3D. They get they they do recycled spools. Um, so they say, hey, bring all of your spools to the Rep Rap Fest. We'll have a big uh, pallet called a Gaylord, uh, where you can put your spools in, and then they reuse the spools, um, which is great. But that's not the failures. Companies that do accept print failures, I don't believe a lot of them are recycling them and are instead have some sort of system locally with recycling centers. Because otherwise, I, I just don't see it being a viable business model. There's a lot of labor and costs involved with it. That would mean that your recycled material would have to cost more than your non-recycled material. And I'm sorry, but you do take a hit of quality when you use a recycled material. It's true. And that's why you don't see a lot of companies doing recycled material. Prusa recently started doing recycled Prusament. It is a little bit more affordable. And it is just from material that doesn't meet their specs. They regrind it. They re-extrude it. But that material's already been ground and extruded once before. It is work hardening. So, yeah, they make it cheaper because the material itself, while it has great dimensional stability now, is not as good as the regular material, there is a degradation. Is it enough to matter? For most people, probably not. And especially if you're going to be sanding and painting it anyways, spend less money. But there becomes a point where cheap is just too cheap. If you're spending less than $10 a roll for your filament, it's probably bad filament and don't spend that money. Yes, if you see a deal on Amazon where it's like 10 bucks a kilo, fine. <laughs> right? Or if Polymaker has a 50% off sale and you can get the filament for 13 or $10 a kilo. Great. Enjoy it. Have fun. But if the company is always selling filament that cheap, question it. You can try it, but you should question it. So back on track. We want to make sure that we price things accordingly. And if this person had raised their prices $5, $5 from $20 to $25. Yes, it takes it out of the easy $20 thing. But remember, you also have to charge sales tax, assuming you're in a state where sales tax exists. Delaware is not one of those states. So if we do a custom color, I will actually get on a plane because that plane flight and the fun experience is worth it to me to save the sales tax. Uh, then I can see Dave, which is awesome. Anyways. That sales tax, if you take cash, you are technically required to report it and pay sales tax on it. Here in Florida, where I live, that's 7%. That is 7% evaporated if you accept cash. A lot of people don't actually report that. It That is tax fraud. Don't do that. Report the money that you make. Because if you don't report the money you make and you get the dreaded A word that I don't ever say because I don't want to jinx myself from three-letter organizations, which we have been through, that I don't like three-letter organizations. And if they see that you have been taking cash payments and haven't been giving them their cut, Uncle Sam always gets his cut. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, Al Capone was not arrested for being a gangster. He was not arrested for running one of the most successful mobs of its time. He was arrested for tax evasion. He was arrested for tax evasion because the government is not a huge fan of, I'm sorry, I didn't know any better. Ignorance is not an excuse. That is my accountant yelling at me in my ear, telling me that Grant... 
There is a reason that you pay me. Stop trying to do my job. Anyways, don't F with the tax man, as Ajax says. The tax man always wins. Don't try to beat the house. You won't win. <sighs> Anyways. <sighs> you need to look at what makes sense for you. A $5 increase in price. That's a 25% increase in price. Likely wouldn't see a lot of sales go away. But that would take a $4,000 day and make it a $5,000 day. And they're not reasonably losing any money. Sure, they might not have had a full five grand. Maybe they went to $4,500 instead of five grand. Okay, cool. That's money. That's an extra couple hundred bucks that you didn't have. So that when your net profit is actually accounted for, you have an extra $500 to $1,000 on your bottom line. You want to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Don't be the cheapest person. If there are other 3D printers at the shows that you go to, you have to decide what you're going to be. Are you going to be the one that tries to undercut everybody or are you going to be the one that's different? Because if all you're selling is like the Pokemon and the Flexi Dragons, you're just like everybody else. Stop being like everybody else. Do things that matter. Things that are different where people will buy it because it's cool and not buy it because, oh, it's cheaper than the table down there. Sell unique designs or work with unique artists where you can get, you know, a, a certain monopoly, if you could, on files. Pay designers to custom make files for you. Spend some money. Because if you can make yourself stand out at those shows, you can charge a premium because you're different. And if somebody is buying something that you're the only one that sells it, and they see that you sell something that other people sell, but you're more expensive, they're more likely just to do that one transaction than have to deal with two different tables. Play the game of knowing your audience. Because if you don't know your audience, then what's the point of doing it in the first place? You gotta know who your people are. Because ultimately, if you don't know your people, then you're not going to price it accordingly anyways. Who knows? Your clientele might be terrible. They might be way too cheap, and it might not make any sense for you. Don't be afraid to say this is not the right show for me. Sure, you made okay money once. You worked yourself to the death for a couple of weeks to make that few thousand dollars. Was it worth it? I would argue the answer is no. And while it might make you feel good because you can see your bank account, what you're missing is that the fact that you're not paying yourself, you're not accounting for the time that you're taking in, and unfortunately, you're not really paying enough attention to who you need to be, and instead are paying attention to what you want you to be. It's the business owner, and you're not paying attention to what you need, which is money. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. If you have a day job, you can certainly afford to make less per hour because you have money coming in. But not everybody has that opportunity and that ability. And instead, they rely on this 
as a direct source of income. Don't be the asshole that just goes around to the show, sees what everybody else charges, and undercuts them because you have another source of income. You're directly hurting everybody else in the industry, including yourself, because you're devaluing your own time. Don't be that person. Differentiate somehow. Have a cooler looking booth. Have printers that are running there. Show people different, you know, technologies. Have resin. Have regular FDMFFF printing. Bring out machines. The movement helps. Show off time lapses if you have them. Allow for custom color choices. Allow people to place orders with you. Have unique business cards for God's sakes. This is my real business card. Here, I will put it up on the screen so you guys can see my real business card. That is my real business card. Okay. Look at that. You now know my direct company email. Wow. It's like you could have guessed that one. This is my real business card. It is an eighth of an inch thick of wood. I make it on our laser. Whoops. That business card got me that $1,250 client. We were at a show. He took my card. He said, I was trying to find someone that did 3D printing. Then I remembered your card is the one that I will never lose. And it was sitting on my desk. So I knew how to call you. I said, see, the card works. And yeah, lasers have a cost to it. Uh, and it can take some time. But it's well worth it to me. So, you know. I like it. It's fun. And it's a cool way for people to take something home with them without even having to spending a dime with us which is super cool <laughs> be careful about 3d printing business cards i can see the ajax is asking if it's done with hue forge cool whip is asking uh but they're trying to make theirs with hue forge i would be very cautious about 3d printing your cards we used to do it the problem that you're going to run into is that you can't put a ton of information on it and at the same time they take so freaking long especially if you have to do manual color swaps and if you don't have to do manual color swaps you have a machine like a bamboo where you're mixing and you have to purge out that material my god you're spending a lot of money on your cards that wood is it comes like that. It's white painted on one side. I buy it from Home Depot. It is 20 bucks a sheet. I have them cut it to the right size to fit my laser. And I already have the files worked out. So I put the piece in. I click go and it cuts it out for me. We're done. It's simple. It's easy. It's effective. But we still have to worry about is the laser going to catch fire? Right, I can get about 600 cards out of a 4x8 sheet of plywood. So those 600 cards cost me about 20 bucks plus my time. Let's say those 600 cards cost me 50 bucks. So those cards are roughly 10 cents a piece. They take about a minute and a half to run on the laser. Then there is the cleaning process. The cleaning process takes about a minute per card and if I want to do $60 an hour so I can make it easy, that is another dollar per card. TLDR, these cards end up costing about two bucks a piece, right? Overall, they end up costing about two bucks a piece. Uh, with power and everything involved, it's about $2 a piece. <laughs> Those cards always pay for themselves. Every single time. They always pay for themselves. And at the same time, if we wanted to make them for somebody else, we will do the plain wood cards, which do I have any handy? 
Uh, I don't see it. So the plain wood is not painted. I will do those for less money because they don't require any cleaning. Uh, we will do those for a dollar card at a hundred at a hundred or more. The uh, the white ones, those are two dollars a card at a hundred or more, and a dollar a card at five hundred or more. If I can keep my laser running, I'll pay someone to go clean the damn cards. I don't care about that. And Cool uh, Whip says my solution to the card info problem is just having a QR code. See, we have those two. This guy said, I hate digital business cards. I'm so glad you made a business card. And I'm so glad you made one that I wouldn't lose. So I won. I won by having a very nice card that is tough to lose. And sure, it means I can only carry like eight to 10 on my person at a time. I have a bag on me that can carry hundreds of them. And there is value in that. Because again, it is something that people don't lose. With a 3D print, you just have to be a little bit careful. What you can do is you can do 3D printing and lasering. You do a card with two colors, and you can laser through the one color down to the second color. We've seen people do that before. You would want a jig so you can place all the cards correctly. Then it can go through and do the burning, because you don't want to do one card at a time. That takes too long. You would want to be able to jig them out and get as much space as you can. Again, value. But because not a lot of people understand QR codes or even understand how to scan them correctly, your QR code solution might not be as effective as you think. It is good to have it. Give people options. But I like to give away the custom stuff, the custom business card. I think it's nice. And at the same time, it also lets me A-B test my business cards so we can see which ones give us better return on our investment. But again, owning the equipment means that I can do that. If you have to pay somebody to do the work for you, there's an added expense. So, yeah. Everything is about time. It's never about the cost of the machine, the cost of the material, the cost of even print failures. Those costs are so woefully insignificant in the vet, in the grand scheme of running a business that a lot of people don't consider the fact that they're not paying themselves enough money. Because if you paid yourself the money that you make in your day job or your previous day job before you went full-time working for yourself, you'd realize you underpay yourself way too damn much and there is nothing that you can do to change that unless you raise your prices. That's it. That's the only way to do it is to raise your prices. We've talked about you being too cheap before. You know you're too cheap. Raise your prices. I don't care if you're going to lose some business. If you double your prices and you lose half of your business because of it, you are making more money because that entire extra price that you just doubled, right? So that extra has no added costs associated with it. None. There is no added cost. That is pure profit. And that money can go directly into your pocket once you pay the tax man and then be able to sustain you as a business to kind of live out your dream. That is the kind of stuff that matters because if you don't do it right, you're going to find yourself behind the eight ball, not knowing how to get out. And if someone's not willing to help you, then you're kind of stuck there on your own. Don't get stuck. <laughs> Joseph Griner says, I tried only using digital cards to save money. The after sales from events dropped off noticeably and came back when we brought back physical cards. 
there is no reason you can't have both. And if you have Hugh Forge, because Ajax is here, here's your free promotion, Ajax. Go buy Hugh Forge. Go get one of Ajax's TD meters whenever he has them available. Do a QR code with a Hugh Forge photo. Make it look super cool. That is something unique that people will come back for. That unique ability to do something different will set you apart from others. Why do you think the Hugh Forge booth had so many people at it every single day? We had to come in first thing in the morning to film with them because they were always talking to people. And objectively, they had one of the cheapest booths there. Hugh Forge spent one of the least... Out of everybody that was there exhibiting, I think Hugh Forge had the least amount of money in their booth in pure dollars of parts. Because it all fits into one freaking box. And they can take it home. But because it was so unique, so different, so special, so new, it got a lot of attention. Because from anything more than a photo away, it looks like a real freaking photo. It doesn't look like it's printed. Cool Whip says, whoa, their Ender 3 was expensive. Beautiful. Beautiful. I like it. I'm here for it. I'm here for the trolling. But see, you don't have to spend a shitload of money to get a real solution that looks good. You can do some Hugh Forge parts, put them on display. I don't know what the legality of all that is. Make sure you get the proper licensing. I did. I spent $180 with Hugh Forge and I still haven't used it, by the way. Haven't touched it. Sorry. But, uh, that kind of thing will set you apart from others. And if others are doing it too, be cooler than them. Find ways to be cooler. Show off printers that show motion. Bed slingers are way better to bring to shows than Core XY. Sure, Core XY is going to move fast. And machines like Bamboo, you might find to be reliable. I don't. But you might find them to be reliable. So you might want to bring a Bamboo. You can only see a Bamboo from the front. You want to bring a Voron that you can see from all four sides because it's got a clear enclosure on it. And you can see that thing like, moving. You can see it just zipping and moving around. Or you bring a bed slinger, which is moving a bed. It's moving apart. There is motion. And if your bed slinger can also do input shaping, congratulations. You now have a fast bed slinger that is going to get attention. That little attention grab is a huge value. Uh, pro tip, if you have animals that are well-trained or you have animals that are certified service animals, bring them to shows. Uh, especially shows that are outside. Just make sure you have appropriate things. If you're going to like a farmer's market, bring doggy bowls. Bring bowls that you fill with water. You keep full of water. Have waters available for a buck a piece. You might not sell any of them. Who cares? It's a case of water. But having that little extra, keep you know little doggy biscuits or something behind the behind the uh, the table. One, it's going to attract the dogs, attract the owners. Welcome to business 101. But two, oh, you have such a cute dog. Would they like a treat? We have we have a few different treats here. We just like to bring them because we like dogs. You know, we like animals. Um, it works. When we had a retail shop, this is how we got the cat. The cat walked into the retail shop one day when the door was open. And uh, she lived there. She lived in the shop for a couple of months. Then she got too big. She kept setting off the motion alarm. So I started bringing her home. But we trained the cat to sleep in the front window of the shop. 
Why? Oh my god, it's a cat! Let's go in! What kind of shop is this? Oh, we do 3D printing. Really? I've heard about 3D printing. Yeah, let's get some 3D printing done while we're here. The cat is our director of marketing for a reason. She brought us a ton of business back in the day. We don't have a retail shop anymore because it doesn't pay. It just doesn't pay. But it's a great idea if you can bring pets to shows that are going to be well-behaved. Like they're not going to care about other animals. They're not going to be a problem. Great. But if they're not well-trained, don't bring them because it's a real pain in the ass. We were working on training the cat to be good outdoors. So like, you know, we could carry her around, but she doesn't do very well in large crowds. She's great with individual people, but large crowds of people, she gets very, very nervous. And that didn't work out very well. <laughs> yeah. There, John Olson saying, bookstore while traveling had a puppy in the window. My wife and daughter bought about $60 in books. Yep. Hey, if it's what gets you in, it's what gets you in. Show off cool things. Showing off cool parts that aren't even for sale. Or, you know, statistically for sale, is a great way to show what you can do. JBV Creative. Is that how I say his name? Maybe. He's got all these, like, uh, kinetic motion things that use, like, ping pong balls and that kind of thing. Print one of those. Print a marble run. Have noise. Have motion. Have things flying around. That kind of stuff attracts attention. And you might not be the cheapest table. But if you got the coolest display for multitude of reasons, you're going to make more profit. Yes, that means you have to bring those displays out. You have to assemble them and you have to make sure that they stay running. There is a time cost associated with that, but it is significantly less than what money you would lose by not being the cheapest person at the event and missing people's attention. So. It's been an hour and a half. We have dropped 48,000 frames of 253,000. That's uh, about 20% for those that are following along at home. But I do want to thank you guys for coming out. We are gonna, we're going to call this one here. I think that we have kind of done a good job of talking about it. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed. I'm very sorry for the internet. We will likely have to revisit this again. I think it's important that we talk about it when I'm not so scatterbrained because of our bad internet. Uh, but if you are part of our Patreon Discord or uh, want to become it, you can click those links in the description down below. Join for as low as uh, $1 a month, but the Discord is the $10 tier or higher. Be able to support the efforts that we do. But I am going to go over to our Discord and call Spectrum. And once again, Get on them. We're having bad internet. Anyways, guys, that is all I have for you all today on this 160th episode of the Making Awesome Academy, all about understanding your numbers. I understand we didn't get too deep into the weeds, but, you know, it was still a lot of fun. Thank you to all of you that did show up. Make sure to leave a like on the stream. Subscribe if you haven't, but stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one.